Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10 of the Mr. Agreeable Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. Today's guest is Matt Elkins. Uh, Matt was one of my coaches in Alabama when I first really started getting heavy into training any sort of martial arts. Uh, introduced me to Spartan um, by whooping my ass in about three <laughs> seconds over and over. Made me realize I hadn't learned anything. Uh, but yeah, um, Matt has also got a son that my kids played with a whole lot. Made a whole kind of big family deal there at Spartan. Um, so that's kind of how we got to know each other. And uh, I just thought it'd be cool, cool to have you on. So yeah, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. What's up, dude? Thank you for having me on. Uh, as you said, my name is Matt Elkins. I am uh, a resident of Alabama, born and raised here in town. Grew up uh, wrestling in the Birmingham area. Uh, wrestled from third grade on into college. I wrestled in Division Two for about a year and a half, and then that led me into doing jiu-jitsu when I finished wrestling. Uh, I started to get a little fat. Got into jiu-jitsu, which led me into uh, MMA and all of those things. That led me to Spartan Fitness, like you mentioned. And, uh, and yeah, then that is where I met a ton of awesome people, people from all different walks of life, and uh, including our, our friend Mr. Collins here. And now I'm uh, actually own a my own MMA school, my own uh, wrestling academy with my brother called Ironclad Wrestling Club. And I'm currently, uh, I guess, retired from MMA and have just started trying to grapple competitively um, in the no-gi jiu-jitsu world. So lots of, yeah. uh, lots of things on the plate right now, including the global pandemic, I guess, is also on, <laughs> on the list of to-do things to survive right now. But yeah, man, good times. Like I said, appreciate you having me on, bro. Yeah, man. Thanks for, thanks for doing it. Uh, you just started... Uh, what is this professional, whatever football? Yeah, the professional grappling federation, the PGF. That's what it is. Yeah. So you guys uh, had your first thing, right? Yeah, man. It's first week. Uh, it's a super interesting uh, jujitsu platform. So instead of paying two hundred dollars to fly to California and grapple maybe one time and be done, like I did at the IBJJF World Tournament when I was a purple belt. And uh, now we all, at this point, are paying to be a part of it eventually if it continues to grow in ways that Brandon's talking about. It could be something that pays the competitors, just like in, you know, an actual professional sports league. So what it's uh, this first round, uh, what we've done is we paid $200. It got us a couple of rash guards, and then it has also locked us in to possibly three, up to three matches, usually at least two uh, most of the time, two matches, sometimes three matches uh, every Friday night at his gym in Decatur, Alabama. Uh, so far, I believe that there is representation from six or eight states, um, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, I believe they might have, I know some people from Illinois, a couple guys. Um, I think there's even some people from Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man, just mostly southeastern uh, competitors so that they can all drive to the to the spot. Um, but yeah, so what's happening is there, I believe, are there's supposed to be it wasn't quite a 32 man bracket. Uh, there were a couple guys that fell out last second that had committed and, and they couldn't quite find replacements. I want to say there's like 30 
maybe 28 competitors. Um, over the next 10 weeks, we will show up and we have a, uh, a schedule where we're set to grapple almost everybody that's in the competition. And um, there is absolutely zero points scored in the individual match, meaning that the referees aren't going to be in charge of like, oh, well, this was back control or this was a takedown. Um, all that matters yeah. is submissions. Um, so if you score a submission um, by choking someone, you score seven points for your season. Um, if you if you score uh, any kind of break, arm lock, foot lock, toe hold, yada, yada, wrist locks, all that, those are considered three points. Um, and then there are no points awarded if the match is a draw after a six-minute time period. Then there's also a couple of Oh, there's no points. Yeah, zero points. So um, it's super, ah, it's, it's super interesting. So like myself, I was picked as the number three competitor um, overall in just like the little preseason rankings that they put out. And uh, after week one, after uh, yeah. getting partnered up with a couple of uh, tough matches, um, I'm actually like in dead, like one of the last places that you can possibly be in because I scored zero points. Me and uh, a guy named Cody Floyd. Ah, uh, uh, man, I thought you at least got like a point for the draw. No, no. So so I grappled a, a really crafty black belt from uh, Tupelo. He owns a little uh, jiu-jitsu MMA school in Tupelo, Mississippi, and uh, his name is Cody Floyd. We had a, a good little match. Um, it, was a, it was a tough match. Uh, of course, if like you were scoring points, who knows who would have won? Um, I know that I scored a, a takedown or so. Got a got his back a, a time or two. Maybe I don't know. If, I can't remember if I passed his guard or not. But none of that matters because we didn't submit each other. So it was a complete draw, zero points awarded. Um, the only other way that we could have scored points was let's say that. Cody or myself couldn't compete like uh, let's say that my back was hurting and I was like oh I just can't compete then Cody gains two points I believe and then I lose okay. five points for not participating so I guess I right now I have zero points I, I guess I, I could go negative at this point but yeah I had two <laughs> matches uh, I, I had a draw with Cody and then I uh, got finished super fast by uh, Elijah Carlton who is I would say the favorite um, of everybody's to uh, to win the whole thing, but yeah, my man went out there and threw me in a triangle, super gangster, super early in the match, and uh, yeah, just wasn't prepared yeah. to move at that speed, I suppose. Just didn't wrap my mind around it, but yeah, my man, my man caught me slipping, put me in my place, and so uh, now we've got nine weeks of the regular yes. season to make up for it, and then uh, at the end of the season we'll have. So a what kind of mentality playoffs. do you have there? Sorry. Uh, so, no, it's good, man. Coming you from just mentioned, you mentioned that speed thing. Yeah. So um, obviously, if if people are, are familiar with the jiu-jitsu community, um, I think that everyone understands the difference in what no gi training feels like and what gi training feels like. And then, of course, me personally, um, coming just retiring in a, a MMA career. Um, that was like the speed that I was really thinking of. And then it's like, we're doing jujitsu. It's like, oh man, this isn't that serious. You know, I'm not really that concerned with it. And, uh, so I just went out there, I would say kind of lethargic, even after my, my first match, I felt like I just reacted too much. I didn't go really on the offense. The, I wasn't on the hunt 
uh, for anything. I was just like, if I get to a spot, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take the choke or whatever. But I wasn't trying to go out there and like assert my, you know, put, you know, break somebody or, or impose my will or anything like that. And then after my second match, um, the first match was a draw. It was a, it was a competitive match. And then, uh, then the second match that I went out there, uh, we just, the first position that I wound up in, I just like tried to kind of put pressure on people, like put pressure on Elijah, put pressure on his guard as opposed to like thinking about the speed of the match. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. just no gi grappling is so much faster. Competitive grappling, uh, is one of those things where in MMA you go out, you, you touch gloves and immediately you're on full guard. You're fully, uh, fully aware of the possibility of you getting knocked out with the first punch. So you go out there and you're on your P's and Q's. I I think because it was just like, Oh, we're just doing jujitsu that, you know, even in my first match, I just shook and bumped and was kind of like, yeah, we're just going to kind of play this by ear, so to speak. But uh, I think it was actually a cool thing to get to grapple two of the best guys and just kind of really, you know, draw the line in the same, like, all right, well, this is how we got to play this. And, uh, and yeah, so this week I'm, I'm ready to go out there and, and push the pace a little more and not, uh, not hang out in any positions. And, you know, the same way that I wouldn't, you know, in MMA, I wouldn't go out there with my hands down and, and risk getting hit in the head and getting knocked out or something like that. I'm just not going to try and, you know, get lulled to sleep in any of these positions because these guys are good, man. Especially, uh, Elijah, the guy that I grabbed in my last match super quick submissions and, yeah. and uh, you know a guy that I trained with Jonathan Roberts trained with him at SBG he's been uh helping helping me with my with our training camp we've been doing it together here at Ironclad a few nights a week just trying to get ready he's also got super fast uh submissions so the biggest thing that I took away from week one is just making sure that your your head is in it and that you're prepared to to play the game at the right pace um because yeah it just doesn't take long for somebody to he'll hook you or, you know, triangle choke you. And then it's all the way over and you're like, oh, damn, I wish I would have, wish I would have done this, wish I would have done that. So just leaving yeah, those things Jonathan off the had table. a couple of super six subs too. Man, dude, he's so, it's, uh, I think That's that so he's such a nice guy that he like, he's so complimentary of everybody's game. And like, if we have a six minute roll and, and let's say that we both submit each other while we're rolling and then I finish the round on top and maybe I'm, I'm getting the better of, of the positions by the end of the roll. He's like, dude, you just smashed me the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, but you like ripped my arm off in, <laughs> in six seconds. And then I, and then after that, you know, I might have beat you or whatever. But he uh, I think that week one gave him some confidence. He uh, he beat a guy named Ridge Blackburn, who's also a black belt out of, I believe, Mississippi think that uh i heard through the grapevine that him and cody floyd and some of those guys over in mississippi all trained together um and ridge is a big guy he's a bigger guy for the weight class it's 194 pounds and below jonathan i think he's like 170 ish pounds and uh yeah he went out there and got him out of there in the first couple minutes i believe he got him with a, a heel hook after he had him in a really tough armbar spot and uh yeah it was just a really good really good showing for my man and i was super excited for him because you know, every time we train, he's like, you guys are beast. You guys are awesome. You guys are this, you guys are that. And I'm like, dude, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Like, you know, you're one of the, the slickest submission artists in, in jujitsu that I've ever rolled with. And, uh, and I think that he, 
you know, he does a lot of arm locks and stuff like that, which based on the point system, um, aren't quite as valuable as chokes. Um, so I think that that could be one thing that maybe kind of isn't playing to his advantage, but I mean, he, I, I believe that he could finish any single person in the competition, um, especially early in the match. Cause he's just so crisp and has such good traps. Um, I think yeah. he can arm lock everybody. Um, and then of course he's got some good, he's got some good chokes. Um, if he's, if he's tapped me a hundred times throughout the times that we've ever trained, most of them have been arm locks, and then he's gotten me with uh, you know a few triangles, um, uh, an arm maybe a, 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 a arm triangle, but mostly he does arm locks. But like I said, I think that where you got somebody like in my case might not finish every single match, but will finish most of the matches with chokes. Um, he, I feel like, will finish literally every every match that he wins. I feel like he could he could. And I feel like he could win every single match. Um, winning them by arm locks could be harder for him to accumulate points. But, dude, he's just – aside from the point system, everyone that I that I talked to afterwards is like, dude, he looks slick. Like, his jiu-jitsu is beautiful. It's crisp. Yeah. Um, it, it's – it's you know, he's got a very, very nice game. Um, and that's something that I yeah. think is cool, man, is by the end of this competition, we're all going to know so much about each other's game. It's going to kind of – uh, push everybody to have to evolve. Yeah. Um, if you leave these 10 weeks and your game still looks the same way that it did in week one, then I feel like you've wasted this opportunity because, you know, in jujitsu, um, by training boxing and Muay Thai and wrestling and all that for MMA, for, you know, specifically for MMA, um, I haven't had as much competition experience in jujitsu. By the time that this is over, my competition experience is going to have doubled. So I'm really looking forward oh, to wow. uh, to figuring out, like I said, how to play the how the game is played in professional grappling. What what the pace looks like, you know, how to strategize within the the regular season. And then of course, once it goes to the postseason, we go to the top 16. If uh, if I can score some damn points, uh, make it in the top <laughs> 16. Then, uh, then those guys will go to submission only, no time limit matches. Um, and, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, so was, then, that was going to be my question. I was wondering. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, the, your 10 week strategy that you had for the season kind of goes out the window. And, uh, and that's uh, obviously a, just a completely different game and a completely different pace with the potential to, to be out there grappling for 45 minutes straight until somebody goes, obviously you play that a lot different than you play a, a six minute time match. And, you know, six minutes with some of these, with some of these competitors, like for instance, Cody, um, man, just, he's a, he's a black belt. Very, very crafty. It's hard to get him out of there in six minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe. And, and I felt like in our match at the, at the, about the five-minute mark, I felt like I started to uh, – maybe a little later than five minutes in the match. I felt like I started – I'd taken him back down um, or reversed his position or something like that. wound up on top, and I felt like I'd really started to uh, to break down some of the positions a little bit better and starting to uh, – I feel like he was slipping out of a lot of stuff pretty like – Yeah. He was just getting to his back a whole lot. Like Yeah, no, thought, he's super – I thought that was interesting. No, he did a great job, great, great job of uh, of keeping himself safe. But I just find that that's just an interesting difference between what you're talking about with you know, gra- you know, professional grappling and what you're used to being MMA. Like you're on, 
you were on top like almost the whole entire time yeah. and especially near the end and he just kept slipping to his back which would get him elbowed or punched in in reality but in yeah. professional grappling he's still dangerous there so yeah absolutely and that's that's one of the things that i know that i've got to change about my game is that you know i know that brandon has tried to talk me into doing combat jiu-jitsu and stuff like that before i'm just really not into it that you know it's i don't like the slap fighting aspect of it <laughs> you know it's it's not to, not to say that it, it doesn't keep jiu-jitsu players honest i believe that it does that properly um I'm just not as much into it. I would rather immerse myself into the sports-specific jiu-jitsu uh, realm than yeah. get into to slap fighting after MMA. I don't know if I could, like, face my MMA training partners and, like, <laughs> listen to their shit be like, oh, you're slap fighting now? I'm like, oh, sick, dude. Like, That's funny. Yeah. I never thought I never thought about, you know, y'all picking on each other for that. Cause it's, it's, I, I see the yeah. – the, the, uh, results of some of those combat jiu-jitsu events and those guys are bashed to freaking shit so oh yeah like... no I, I watched uh there's a, a friend of mine that i know through brandon McCatherine, um johnny buck he actually uh, oh yeah i follow him on instagram yeah dude there was a, a highlight from his combat jiu-jitsu this uh this past weekend I, I forget where they were competing but uh but man he just he he slapped the shit out of this dude like oh it was it was really crazy so i mean i'm not not to downplay the fact that dudes are getting messed up i see their tko finishes in it all the time but you know to me if you're talking about just like the purity of it like you know because i got into jiu-jitsu for some on some level thinking that i was going to learn how to defend myself because, like, my brothers all knew how to wrestle and, like, my dad boxed and stuff like that. And I was like, man, well, if, you know, if I ever get into it with somebody, like, I need to know how to really defend myself or, like, really choke them or, or do whatever. And so if, if you talk about combat jiu-jitsu, to say that, yeah. like, you're going to take somebody down and slap them to death, but you're afraid to, like, get kicked in the head <laughs> while you're standing up and stuff like that. To me, I, it just it, – it, it, it's a super – it's like, hey, we're gonna play football, but like, hey, no throwing the no throwing the football. Like, you can't throw the ball in the end zone and catch it for a touchdown. That that doesn't make sense. But like, you can run it. And like, you know, so it, it's just for me, I'm not into it. And maybe because I've spent so much of my time learning how to box and learning how to play Muay Thai and and all those types of things that. Um, that I just maybe I just feel like I would have such an advantage if I got into a fight with a combat jiu-jitsu specialist, you know, unless they wrestled at a very high level. I don't foresee them taking me down and slapping me to death. But you know, I, I definitely, as far as my MMA fights went, I think that I was best known for taking people down, sitting on top of them, and and beating them up a bit. And uh, so I, I definitely see where I could probably find better success quicker in combat jiu-jitsu um but i just I, for me personally just i just can't quite dive into it it's not to say that i would i'll never ever do it bmac is always trying to uh to talk me into it um but like i said for right now it's just i'd rather you know look at go trying to to gear up for how to win the adcc trials or something like that and try yeah. to make some noise in that on that stage before I was, you know, trying to go and, and slap fight fools. It just doesn't yeah. really 
So, uh, I was just thinking, like, when you, you get to see who you're going against week by week, is there, um, as you see these people and watch their games, like, will there be specific, you know, submissions you'll be looking for, depending on who it is you're going for? And uh, how, man, how do you, I, how do you do that? Me, personally, um, I, and I, I've always been about choking people, because in MMA, you know, being on bottom and arm barring people and stuff like that just wasn't the best formula for success. Yeah. Um, but if I was on top of them and they wanted to sit up into me and, and try and, you know, have some type of head and arm choke of whatever variation or, you know, if I did wind up on bottom, you know, maybe trying to, to triangle choke them, I felt a little bit better about those things because it's just easy to slip out of arm bars. Luckily for me, I'm, I'm a very choke-heavy jiu-jitsu player as far as you know if you broke down my finishes and I, I feel like I choke people more often than anything else um I'm looking to try and choke people because I mean for instance you know like I believe this past weekend my trainer partner Jonathan that we talked about he he had two submission finishes with a hill hook and an arm bar and I didn't score any points but if I go out there in my first match and choke somebody then like i I would be ahead of him in the standings, um, right. in theory. Um, actually, not technically, because he got a couple of other points, I believe. I think maybe he had a uh, somebody that uh, didn't show up to grapple him, so I think that he scored a couple points. And then he also did the combine, which we were awarded two points for doing so. Um, but my, my point is, is that I think that, you know, if you had to go out and armbar every single person or go out there and choke half of the people um, – you would still win by choking half of the people as opposed to, you know, arm locking or right. everybody. And the reason it was designed that way is that BMAC wanted it to be, he didn't want people to just go out there and just like sit down and, and pull, you know, just spam leg locks and just all nothing but leg lockers and stuff like that. He wanted to, re- you know, reward people for having a style of game that, that is realistic trying to uphold some type of self-defense aspect to what we do because it's just you know yeah. it, it, it especially coming from an mma uh filter and, and the last gym that uh that we you know the gym that we met at spartan fitness sbg um coming from there and just getting to grapple with some guys that were really good um sports specific jiu-jitsu players but hadn't you know they didn't know how to wrestle like all right you know the guy at public's you're going to, you know, let's say that some big linebacker type dude, you know, says something about some toilet paper over at public. <laughs> what are you going to do? Pull guard on the, on the, the, the marble in there and then, and, you know, start going at this guy's ankles or something like that. Like, it just doesn't. And, and everybody can, you know, jiu-jitsu taken so many forms as of lately, but I mean, what made it famous, at least, especially whenever I got started were, People were like, did you see the Gracies? And did yeah. you see what they were doing when they were dojo storming people? Like they were, even they were even in a couple of instances throwing strikes and whatnot. But they were taking these people down, getting on top of them, and just annihilating them. And they were absolutely there was uh, even though the jujitsu translates to the gentle art, there was nothing gentle about what they were doing. And if those guys had to perform that in a street fight situation or 
defend themselves in, in, to any capacity, I feel like there was definitely uh, a lot of merit to the self-defense aspect of what they were doing, where nowadays I just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not confident that every black belt in jiu-jitsu would be able to beat, you know, beat up every person that they came across in the street. And I know there's a lot of people that would be like, oh, this dude's an idiot. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I grappled, for instance, like my brother, he's, he was a two-time All-American at the heavyweight weight class. And, I mean, yeah, it took me a long time to get to where I thought that I could, like, beat him, you know, beat his ass if we got into a fight because I couldn't take him down. He would take me down, lay on top of me, and probably bash my head in, you know. Like, I got ruined <laughs> – I got just destroyed my first day of jujitsu. I mean, I felt like if I had the ability to punch those dudes in the face, like maybe they, maybe I would have had a better chance. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. But well, how like long said, did it take you, man? Because like people who don't people who don't train with you and who don't know anything about you, like that. Everybody hears that. And they're like they can relate. Who's done jujitsu? But what what people don't realize about you are two things: you're super good at wrestling, and you're also like a pretty freakish good athletic like athlete. So like what uh, like how long did it take you to really pick on the uh, on the jujitsu aspect? Like because um, a lot of wrestlers come in there, man, and they 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 can't seem to get over their wrestling. Like and they their yeah. ego gets hurt and they leave. I, so how'd that work for you? I had in some in a family of three boys. I wasn't like the I wasn't considered like the wrestler in our family. Like I would say that I probably had the most natural ability when it came to wrestling. But like my brothers lived it a little, especially my older brother. He was just about it, you know, liked that being identified as a wrestler and stuff like that. And I'd always tried to like find my own way my own identity you know outside of sports and all that from my brother even though we're super close and when I got into jiu-jitsu um I could see very early on that I could beat the lower level all of the lower level people by out wrestling them but once I got to try and beat the black belts because my first day it was like I'm gonna try and kill all the black belts I don't care what <laughs> everybody says I understand that you're not supposed to it's not supposed to happen that way but I didn't want to limit myself to that and be like okay well if I grapple a black belt and they beat me like that's okay um just being ultra competitive yeah. um, and having confidence from wrestling I definitely tried to tried to kill them all but I realized very early on that if I wanted to be able to threaten people in all the different positions that I had to stop wrestling people. Um, yeah. So I just immediately, I say immediately within the first three months of training, I stopped trying to play on top as much um, within like the first, within like eight months, I realized that every time that I got on top, I was darts choking people, darts choking, darts choking. And I would do that to literally every person. I was like, okay, it's, I can do that to most people, but as soon as I get in there with somebody who I can't darts choke, it's like I can't finish them. Yeah. So once I once I had that that revelation, I'd been spending some time on my back and whatnot, um, just trying to, like, make it, make rolling fun and make, make it to where I was, you know, 
easier to train with because I wasn't all the time on top dart shoving people. But then, um, like I said, I had that realization that I I wanted to learn more about jujitsu about three months in, and then eight months in, I almost got like frustrated because all of my roles were going the same way. Um, and I just remember like this, just a couple weeks in particular where I just like finished if I tapped out 20 people like 18 or you know 18 of them were darts chokes and I was like look this isn't any fun for them these dudes necks are hurting like I'm not (laughs) learning anything new and so I immediately was like all right no more darts chokes I can't darts choke anybody else I'm just not going to do that period and uh and started just trying to really educate myself on the bottom game and and the close guard you know like coming from wrestling a guillotine choke wasn't wasn't a far stretch from a front headlock a darts choke wasn't very far off from like a head pinch so there were things that translated over very well but then I was like man I want to learn how to triangle people and I want people to be impressed that I've become a student of this new game and and really learned how to play the game from my back and uh, I really enjoyed learning how to triangle people um, because wrestling is so much about like, like you consider Greco-Roman wrestling. Um, it's all up mostly. Up, I say all. It's not all, but it's mostly composed of just what you can, you know, how you can wrestle with your arms. They, they have to have great hips and other things like that. But it's upper body wrestling. Um, and then most of what you do in folk style wrestling is wrestling with your arms and pummeling with your arms and wrist control and stuff like that. And then once I got into jiu-jitsu and I realized like, oh, so this is just like how to how to wrestle people and, it, you know, further utilize all the weapons that you have. And so I really started trying to learn how to use my feet. Um, like I said, four triangle chokes, omoplatas, um, just trying to learn how to sweep people and use butterfly hooks and, and things like that. And, uh, and just kind of fell in love with, you know, like if, if you – talk to people who do like parkour and stuff like that. They just are really into human movement. And then yeah. they're also into human movement as it pertains to any type, any type of space. So like I walk into this room, how can I express my movement in the confines of this room and, and create a, something that's fun for people to watch in a space that nobody ever considered. Um, and so yeah. I, on some level, I started to look at it like human parkour. I could, I could, you know, take this big, strong kind of maybe fat person and I could maybe dance around them and try and like take their back and, and out scramble them. And that could be fun for me, like changing positions faster than they could. Then, um, I had a guy who, who I trained with named Taylor Collette. I know, you know, Taylor, um, yeah, he was 115 pounds soaking wet at the time that we trained together um, most consistently. And I couldn't out scramble him necessarily, but like I could go underneath him and like hold him up in the air and and kind of, you know, throw him around a little bit and elevate him. And um, so I just got really into how I could use my athleticism and my understanding of these positions to kind of paint a new picture and get into different positions and get into different submissions as opposed to like, all right, it doesn't matter if you're 115 pounds or 250 pounds, like you're going to get taken down and darts choked or whatever, you know, uh, 
so I, I really just got into the the width of the positions of jiu-jitsu, um, past darts choking and, and guillotine choking people. And then once I started to learn all of these different positions, like obviously the depth to those positions goes on and on and on. And, and so many people play so many different types of games in jiu-jitsu that, I mean, and, and those are always evolving that now there's just this infinite amount of things that I could possibly learn, um, and, and even as, and what's crazy is like, even if I spent the next year and a half trying to learn Gordon Ryan's game, um, and then let's say that I spent the next year and a half trying to learn Keenan Cornelius's game, by the time that I got back to Gordon Ryan's game, his game would be completely changed or, you know, right. his little, his little brother would come and, and Nikki would change the game or whatever. Of course, in another few years, there'll be these other kids that no one's ever heard of. And, and they're the ones that are kind of carving these new paths in jiu-jitsu. So um, I think what I like most about jiu-jitsu now is the fact that it evolves quicker than I can. And as it becomes so much more popular and so many more people get into it with different, you know, backgrounds and different types of athleticism and, you know, some kids that do crazy shit from like parkour and stuff, they get into it and just ways that they'll be, be able to innovate the game and, it's being changed by so many hands every day in training and in competition that it's, it's really impossible to master it. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what I really enjoy about jujitsu specifically. But I mean, I, I enjoy all martial arts that way. Like wrestling is evolving, you know, boxing is evolving, you know, Muay Thai fighters or, you know, Dutch kickboxers and are evolving the game. And, uh, you know, it's just, to me, I'm, it's now, interesting I'm, to see the way you're talking about it, because I, uh, like, I just started really kind of thinking more about how to teach it, um, yeah. because I just have I moved back here to North Carolina. I've got one training partner. He's like 250 pounds. He's a fairly good athlete, but he knew nothing. And like, I've just been trying to figure out like how to connect it to his brain, because I can't quite figure it. Like, I have to see it. Uh, and then I, and then I have to try it. Um, and like, you're sitting here talking about like just a completely different way of looking at it than I even like consider really. Like, I mean, I, I've heard the old cliche that it's an art form and all that, but like, you know, you're, you're really trying to think about, you know, you're talking about Taylor there and you know how you get him up cause you can't scramble as much with him and all this different stuff. It's just stuff that it's, I don't know, like, do you think that that would take years to start thinking like that, or is that just a part of the way that your brain works in general? I, I think that coming from wrestling and, and longing for the sport to evolve into something that it wasn't when I first started, like, when I first started wrestling, and um, it was just like, you got to make yourself miserable to become a champion, and if you can... If you can take the agony of training, then, like, you can be good at this. But, like, I wanted it to be fun. Like, football was fun. Like, playing wide receiver and trying to, like, jump up and, like, moss on somebody. Like, there was an art form to scoring touchdowns. And, yeah, you know, like, even in, like, baseball and pitching and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't just about how hard you could throw the ball. Like, you could throw different different pitches to try and confuse people and that becomes its own art form and so like there wasn't a lot of the artistic i noticed you left soccer out there 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. Well, that's that's because I don't know anything <laughs> about it, bro. I, I couldn't tell you. All that I know about it is that my son scored three goals in his first game. And, uh, Wait, and man. I, I guess the yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, he pulled the old hat trick, made dad proud. I guess I'm, he made me a big soccer fan that day. For sure. Good. Just um, that day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, he hasn't played it. He hasn't he hasn't played anymore. So we're trying to talk him into wrestling and doing jujitsu. But I think he just likes being on the mat. I, I don't think that he actually wants to train at all. Which, you know, <laughs> he, he's he's five. So, like, you know, everybody's like, dude, you don't make him wrestle. And I'm like, well, I mean, like he's. He, he like barely knows his ABCs. So yeah, gonna, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. He's he's got plenty of time to catch up, you know. Yeah. But uh. Sorry. But what, yeah. What were you saying? I was I was just making the point that like in sports, growing up, there was like, hey, we play these sports because they're fun, and in wrestling, it wasn't necessarily presented like that. It was like winning is fun, and if you can win, then you can have fun doing this. But like that wasn't enough for me. I was like, man, I want to enjoy doing this. Obviously, if it's tic tac toe, like I'm, I'm a competitive guy. I want to win at everything. But it, you know, like I said, everybody has the dream of winding up on Sports Center top ten because you call it the touchdown, but you call it, you, they call it one handed in the back of the end zone. You know, yeah. the guy, you know, everybody wants to score a goal in soccer, but like the guy kicking it from the the corner, like kicking it back in bounds and you heading it in to like win the game like everybody wants there to be some type of artistic finish to the game and wrestling just wasn't that way um until i started to watch a guy there's a guy that grew up here he actually coaches at sbg birmingham super excited that he he uh came back to train there with us for a while seth garvin he didn't wrestle like other people i watched him wrestle i was in third grade he was uh, i believe a junior or senior at this point and i watched him go and like use techniques like no touch duck unders and like ankle picks and stuff like that that wasn't like an Iowa style like run in there double leg them and run your feet until they break and and he was like being there was a level just a a very impressive level of finesse to the game and I could tell that he was tricking these people and it was kind of like you know I don't really like to watch basketball but one of my favorite things to watch growing up was the and one uh, mixtape tour, the street, uh, street ball yeah. and stuff like that. I used to love watching these guys handle the ball and just fool people and trick them. And, uh, and wrestling started to become that way a little bit for me. Um, but then when I got into jujitsu, being able to be on my back and just being able to do so much in so many different positions, I really just wanted to have, have fun with it. And, and of course I got into it at first was for fun. Then I got into it for competition. Nowadays, and, and how does that work with you getting into MMA though? Like you talk about, I mean, no, I don't know that you had, you're really describing having an aversion to the grind or whatever, but like, if, I mean, I guess MMA is fun, but there's that, yeah. it just seems like more of a grind than it is creative. Uh, yeah. At times. Uh, well, it, it definitely can be, especially when you're first learning how to to mix everything together. Um, but I yeah. look like one of the, you know, I, I can't compete in MMA anymore. I've just had too many, uh, too many concussions and dealt with a, a real bad spill of post-concussion syndrome for about six or seven months that I just, I decided that it wasn't worth it um, to try and risk it, you know even if I could yeah. get myself healthy enough to compete again. 
just, you know, these guys are making decent money, but, you know, they're making, they're not making NFL money for five years, maybe 10 years. And then they, they don't have, a lot of them don't have the skills to continue to grow their portfolio or like get them, move on to the next thing. And so for me, it was just like, man, I love MMA. I love striking, especially it's probably my favorite of all the combat sports that I've ever done. But uh, I think there are just easier ways to make money um, and not risk CTE or any of the things or, you know, shaking, shaking while you're sitting there shadow boxing as you're 65 years old, like Muhammad Ali, just heartbreaking stuff like that. Um, I just don't see how it took you till the last six months to like I I would have about four or five of those Omar books. I would have been like, (laughs) you know. I'm probably all good on this. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely uh, accredit some of the, the head trauma to trying to learn from, from Mr. Johnson. But it was just, <laughs> uh, I had always grown up in a, not a, not when I say rough environment, not like we lived in the dirt or anything like that, but just like my, my family allowed us to rough house. And, you know, if I got to playing with my friends at school and stuff like that, later on as I you know, got 17 or 18, I realized like, oh, these guys don't really like to play as rough as, as I like to play. And that's because I was a middle child and, and beat up by my older brother. And then when me and my younger brother would try and beat up my older brother, that we would start losing. And then my little brother would jump ship and now it would be them <laughs> versus me. And, and so I, I credit some of my toughness to just the environment that I was raised in. And, you know, having an older brother that was a two-time All-American and the heavyweight weight class in uh in college like I never wanted to lose to him and I wasn't about to listen to people be like oh well he's just winning because he's bigger and I was just like yeah that's not that's not it like I'm not accepting that and so because of like you know Omar was super heavy hands great boxer great kickboxer um I was never willing to just be like oh he just punches harder than me um and it and that was just the most fun like it, it satisfied that want to um to play rough yeah um, gave me an avenue to do that which i was totally down with and then of course anytime i think that you do something that is hard and you conquer that it just gives you such a feeling like a satisfactory feeling you know like learning how to defend yourself in jiu-jitsu and getting to your blue belt level of jiu-jitsu and then getting to where you can you know choke out uh you know, higher level guys and stuff like that. Every single one of those stepping stones is such a, a satisfying and gratifying feeling that you don't even hardly remember getting choked 7,000 times in a row before you learned how to really do anything because we're all chasing that, like that feeling of accomplishment. And yeah. between the, the physical aspect of it and just the mental aspect of like doing something that was stimulating to me, um, I loved, I loved boxing. Muay Thai and I still love to, to practice them um, just like I said getting hit in the head and stuff like that is something that um, fortunately I feel like uh, I'll be able to help the next generation of kids that are coming up like a lot of these young wrestlers that are that are training at my brother's wrestling club and that I'm starting to teach jiu-jitsu they you know they're wanting to learn striking and and now I, I know how to better set them in the right direction and, and how to handle their sparring and how to how to you know, periodize their training so that they are getting the right types of, of looks and they can go out and perform it on game day. But like if they decide to be politicians after they get done, 
you know, fighting that they can do all the, they can pull a Manny Pacquiao or, yeah, or, or whatever the deal speak. may be. Yeah, because that's super yeah. <laughs> important, man. Like, you know, I, I've had the time of my life doing MMA training. And luckily for me, I, I had an, the eye-opening experience that I did to where, like, I'm going to be able to continue my life and continue to enjoy it and remember my son's name and all those types of things um, and, and, and enjoy the fruits of life and stuff like that. And like I said, competing in MMA is the, the time of my life, man. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but I'm also, I also am passionate about coaching. And, uh, and so I'm excited to, you know, be able to offer, you know, my experiences of how not to do it maybe and how to do it, you know, yeah. um, and create a, a better opportunity for kids that grew up in Alabama because, you know, wrestling here, much less jujitsu, much less MMA isn't the, you know, if you're born in California or, Iowa or Pennsylvania or, you know, Florida, places like that, like you've got better opportunities um, just by being in a saturated market where, you know, jujitsu is popular in California. Wrestling yeah, is popular sure. in Pennsylvania. Boxing and kickboxing are popular in places like Florida and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, I think MMA is going to be just seriously popular everywhere, though, you know, than yeah, now. Yeah, it, 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 it's definitely headed in that direction. It's you're it's, you're one of the first. I think your generation, your age. Uh, if you get MMA experience at your age, you're experiencing it at probably the highest level it's ever been. And like you're saying, you're going to be able to help that future generation probably in a way that you know most other generations never have you know maybe they had a specialty but they blended together you're coming out of that and yeah the coaching you know that's that's kind of yeah. an interesting thing that you it's bring even, up there so how did you good uh we even the so i i left my my previous gym uh sbg uh, there in birmingham spartan fitness it's probably been two three months now and me and my brother, we were always going to have our own gym. And, and Coach Chris, he always knew that. And it wound up happening probably a year before we were really planning on doing it. Um, but part of the part of the reason we – not the main reason that we did it, but one of the, the benefits of doing it when we did it is that we're doing it on our own and we're really getting to kind of – carve the path that we want and we're getting to focus on the things that we want to focus on so like while I was working at my old gym um I I did you know a really good job of teaching our kids jiu-jitsu program which was yeah. ranged from four five and six year olds um and then also seven eight nine ten eleven twelve year olds and then after that we usually had a little break where kids just weren't training for real they were too young to really train with the adults and like too old and too cool for it. Um, so something that we've done differently here that I think is an interesting uh, idea. And I'm really, I mean, obviously it'll take a few years to figure out if this, if we're right or not, but we, we're not even offering kids jujitsu practices. Um, mm. Not even at all. Well, we're not even offering, uh, we're not, we're not offering kids striking really either. Um, we believe that wrestling is such a, uh, an essential base for grappling and how to control a fight and get it to the ground and especially just the mentality that comes with it. And there's like the 
you know, I, I hate the word savage, but the savage mindset, the go-getter yeah. mindset that it produces for people that we're only offering wrestling for children. And then when they've wrestled and they feel like they can keep up and they're, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old at that rate where usually people were falling off and they weren't training at all anymore because they're bored with it. Now you can train jujitsu. Now you can train boxing and kickboxing because uh, I didn't get So you, you guys are having those for the older group then? Yeah, like we're, we're essentially only offering an adult's class. And if it's like there's a 12-year-old that wants to train jujitsu, it's like, yeah, well, like you're going to go wrestle if you want to train with us. Like this is what's going to help you. Like go wrestle for a couple years. And then once you've wrestled for a year or so and you know how to, how to you know, survive in that, that really rough water – we're going to take you over here to jiu-jitsu and you're going to just destroy people. You know, yeah. like I, I've, I had a number of kids that trained with me in jiu-jitsu that got into wrestling. And these kids were, you know, little savages at jiu-jitsu. They got into wrestling and they were getting, getting beat by very mediocre wrestlers. Right. Um, and then just because you know, of you, the takedowns or, uh, well that, and just the, the, the sport is so much more rough and fast paced and taking somebody that has that mentality. I mean, like you talk about with anybody that, that grapples and does jujitsu and they like, Oh, that guy's a wrestler. That guy has that wrestler pressure. He's all wrestling or whatever. Like that's a real thing. And for me, it's so much easier to take those kids and turn them into badass jujitsu players than it is to take a jujitsu player and turn them into a high level wrestler. Yeah. Um, it, so we're not we're not even gonna. I mean, essentially, we're just not gonna waste our time with it. And so the foundation it, is wrestling, is what you're the saying. foundation is wrestling. The mentality is that of a wrestler, and I think that the, all of the UFC champions and really guys that are killing the game and grappling now, a lot of them have you know decent wrestling backgrounds. And it's like if you want to be good at combat sports, like you need to start with the right combat sport. You know. So how then? Uh, maybe maybe you're not saying that everybody should be like you, but you mentioned earlier going back to it, uh, the whole trying to make it fun. Like if you're, if you're giving these kids the wrestling background, is, is there no, like, is there something you're doing differently to, to make it more fun than what you experienced? Or is it just the expanded so, techniques? Absolutely. Or what? absolutely. Um, so the, the, the technique, um, the techniques of wrestling are evolving. Wrestling in in the NCAA finals and the NCAA tournament looks very different than it did when I was a kid and I was watching those guys. It's it's not a, a complete new game by any means. There are single legs, there are double legs, there are high crotches, there are duck unders, there are snap downs, there are throws and all that kind of stuff. But just the way that people are stringing them together, the way that people are becoming more clever about how to make it easy to – single leg somebody as opposed to like go out there and single leg them grab it again if you miss the single leg try the second single leg if you miss that single leg try the third single leg they're just being more intelligent about how they're playing the game um and something that we're focusing on big time is emotional learning so my brother he is he is much more cerebral um in his approach about coaching for me it's very simple if they're not having fun then they're not going to want to do it. And even right. if they're having fun for the first few years and then they stop having fun, 
they're not going to do it. And then you're going to put all your time into these kids and then they're going to just quit. You know, I, I, I experienced that. I wanted to quit a couple of times growing up but because it was just, it wasn't fun. It was, it was old for me, but to, to make the point kids, by the time that they're in third grade are able to remember their times tables all the way up to 144. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have this table that these kids can remember all of these things about. Um, and of course, if it's 144 times tables, like by the time that you get halfway through them, they start to be duplicates of each other and stuff like that. So it's not really 144 actual yeah. times tables that they have to remember, but the, the width and length of it becomes 144 times tables, if you will. So, um, and that, if you ask any kid aside from like maybe a kid that has dreams of being an astronaut or he, he knows that he wants to be a, an entrepreneur or a banker or something like that, most kids are going to be like, yeah, I'd rather go play baseball than remember 144 times tables. So we see that kids are able to comprehend a certain number of techniques or ideas or concepts, if you will, especially when you pertain them to multiplication tables um, and how that can transfer over to wrestling and how many techniques they can remember. And then mm-hmm. if you can uh, if you can teach them these things, these cut and dry things like times tables, if you can have them learning emotionally and having fun, they'll learn them so much faster. You know, like yeah. for instance, when you were a kid and you were learning how to count at school, and do math and subtraction like they were doing it on paper that shit kind of sucked but then your teacher put down 20 skittles in front of you and you started adding and subtracting skittles and eating skittles while you were doing addition and subtraction you were like this shit's cool yeah you know so packaging it in in the latter of those two examples um and creating emotional learning experiences for these kids is something that we're really trying to to hone in on. And I think some coaches have had it right for a while about like trying to teach them, uh, you know, certain games or making games out of certain, uh, positions and stuff like that. But, um, not just that, but just literally making sure that you are enjoying the process. Like I, I, I remember playing football. Football was always fun for me baseball was always fun for me the only thing that wasn't fun was like when i got punished and like had to run laps or something like that Uh, yeah but every tackling drill every route drill like they were all fun and part of it was that like it was approached like hey this is going to be fun we're going to enjoy doing this because what we're doing is awesome um and and i think that just changing the approach from the coaches um, and just the language that, and you know, the words and the attitudes, the positive reinforcement, as opposed to like, Hey, that was a bad rep. You, that was terrible. You're never going to win a state championship doing that. And like, Hey dude, that was nice. You know, now we're going to like, we're going to pick it up, dude. It's going to be sick. Yeah. It's going to be sexy. You know, like just, just speaking to the kids in a different way. Um, I think that that, you know, really in any kind of facet of life, I think the way that you speak to people is a, is a huge a huge thing that some coaches, um, and not just coaches, bosses, leaders, uh, etc., can do either really, really wrong or, com- uh, you know, or completely right. You know, uh, just making sure that you're taking care of them. And so we're trying to foster our relationships with these kids. We're trying to make sure that we can help be good mentors to them. But like once again, 
like, hey, man, this is hard work, but like it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun, you know, and of course, winning and having fun is uh, is an, an emotional experience in itself that makes the kids fall even more in love with it. So we that po- and then also a couple of other things that that we're doing through um, uh, the methodology of training. Um, the, the best way that I can explain it, uh, my brother, he has this uh, website called ironcladmethods.com where he lays out wrestling in this exact mentality and this exact approach. But like in football, there's, there's a very, very strict playbook. And if you don't know the playbook, then like you definitely can't start on the team. Right. You know, if you, if you play basketball and you don't know the playbook, like you, like, you, you know, you're definitely going to ride the bench or you're not going to make the team if you can't remember the plays. And we're laying things out um, the best way that I can. It, it sounds super lame when I call it a playbook, and you know, I, I, without explaining it super in depth. Um, but just mapping out positions on paper while creating an actual playbook—that's um, something else that that he's doing really, really well. And it's super simple, man. Like everyone that we've explained, what we call the ironclad method to. They're just like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. What, is, what are you mean, talking about, like a, a series of techniques uh, that flow together? Or how yeah, in, in a sense, in a sense. Um, what, so like uh, uh, one of my first wrestling coaches ever and a few of them along the way talked about uh, having, you know, a rule of three. They're like, hey, man, when you're trying to map out your takedowns, you need to have three takedowns. When you're trying to map out your your turns on top and you're trying to pin people, you need to have three pinning holds. Then if you're on bottom, you need to have three ways that you can escape. Mm-hmm. And so the methodology allows you to lay out three of those possibilities in each position, and then it offers itself up to grow that so once you've mastered you know let's say in jiu-jitsu there are you're standing on your feet there you know there's closed guard there's half guard there's quarter guard there's back control you know front headlock positions all the all these different positions let's say there are 20 of those possibilities like there's 20 and I know that people would be like, just 20. There are 7,000 positions. That person's right. There are an infinite amount of positions that you could potentially wind up in. However, if you're talking about the ones that are most common, like let's nail it down to 10 positions. If you could learn 10 positions that you're good in in jiu-jitsu, like you might be a blue belt by then, you know? Yeah. Like, and so if you can learn three positions, I mean three possibilities – offensively and defensively in 10 different positions like you're probably a blue belt but then if you like go past that and you like look at having of all these three possibilities there's three more branches off of those three possibilities yeah um and then now you're maybe you're talking about a purple belt level of understanding or like maybe the first one is a state champion level of understanding of wrestling and the second is an all-american and then once you've mapped out not three, not six branches, but nine branches from those original three that we mentioned, now you're a national champion if you're proficient in all those in all those positions, you know. Um, and so really, because like when I first started jiu-jitsu, it was like, man, that this the first time I grappled somebody who was a high-level player, you know, purple belt, 
you know, a good brown belt, a solid black belt, you feel helpless. You're like, damn, this person could literally do anything that they wanted to. Um, yep. <laughs> but and, and so I've equated it to like you hear about how people like whittle and like cut, you know, carve wood and shit like that. They start off with this log where like you're a white belt and you get tied up by a black belt. It's like this whole log. You're like, what the hell is this? Like, what am I looking at? What is it? What's going to happen? Well, like first you tear all the bark off that log and you're like, all right, now I got a piece of wood that I can put my knife to for real. Then you like whittle it down to a block. And while you're whittling it down to a block, you're like, all right, I'm going to make this. This is going to be a lion or this is going to be a fire truck or a house or whatever. And then once you nail it down, like let's say that you make it into a little a little block and you're like, all right, I'm going to make this a fire truck. So you part you put wheels on it, you carve wheels down to it. And then you're like, all right, well, this thing's going to have one ladder and or two. It's going to have a ladder on each side. And you start to map out the details. And I think that a lot of people, when they're looking at jujitsu, they think of it in the opposite manner. They're like cultivating this big mass of techniques. But what I think it really is is whittling it down to possibilities and taking this big lump of grappling and being like, all right, there's 10 positions, 20 positions. There's two or three, maybe four possibilities in each of those positions. And then you're talking about closer to like one of those 144, you know, maybe 144 times tables or a hundred different positions or a hundred different possibilities. And once again, just like the times tables, those hundred possibilities or those 144 times tables, about half of those are duplicates, you know, and understanding the, the offense of them helps you give you a better understanding of the defense of them and vice versa. Yeah. So then you whittle it down to, to, what it really is and you start to whittle your game down to like well i'm gonna be a top player like for instance i'm good i'm i'm a wrestler take people down stay on top of them look for head and arm chokes and then i start to fill in the details like all right i'm gonna take people down and be on top when i'm passing their guard i'm gonna be this type of choker you know i'm gonna i'm gonna look for arm in guillotines or darsh chokes or anaconda chokes or i'm not gonna be good with with arm in chokes and stuff like that and you start to really lay out the details of what your your block of wood is what your game is what you're actually working with as opposed to like what the person that was sitting next to you what they're working with so yeah i think that for for me pretty early on in the game i was like instead of you know putting i heard my coaches when i was a kid they were talking about put it in your box put it in your toolbox and then cultivating and adding more and more tools to it for me, it was like I'm going to lay out these positions, and then once I lay out these positions, I'm going to whittle it down to this many possibilities and get really good and understand all of those possibilities. And yeah. I, I think that – I don't know that that's just like such a, a different approach to it than that everybody else has, but I think that it's definitely different than the way that I looked at wrestling growing up wrestling in Alabama. So did you guys – like, would you say that this way of going about it is a collection of both you and Jake's experiences uh, from other coaches? Or did you guys – how did you guys formulate this in comparison to maybe uh, what you've seen? So I, I, I firmly believe that even just, like, who you are as a person is just the sum of all of your experiences together, you yeah. know? Um, so I know that that's true for grappling. Um, I grappled, I mean, I wrestled for 12 or you know 13 years 
before I ever did jujitsu once ever. Um, and those people definitely helped shape my mentality towards how I approach jujitsu and all that preparation from wrestling definitely helped me become a better jujitsu student. And then of course, all of the different, I've learned from a ton of different people. I spent the most of my, the, the biggest chunk of my time at Spartan fitness between, uh, blue belt and brown belt got my, I showed up there with a blue belt, spent about two more years there. got a, uh, or I guess maybe, yeah, I guess th- almost, was it three years, two or three years there as a blue belt, finally got my purple belt. Yeah. Don't uh, come easy there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, very, definitely a, a high level of expectation, which I'd prefer it to be that way than like some of these guys that I've been wrapping up since I was a, you know, a blue belt. They've already, yeah. you know, they've already got their black belts and stuff like that. And we were blue belts together and been being, yeah. you know, watching them lose to white belts and, comp- and, you know, absolute divisions and shit like that. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I think that the, the cultivation of all of the different mindsets and the different approaches um, is is definitely a thing. I know that I received a lot of um, a lot of development from a coaching standpoint um, at Spartan Fitness and listened a lot to what the what SBG how they how they believe in growing, growing people's games for them and stuff like that. Because, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, the way that I learn is not the way that your buddy that you just started trying to teach. I mean, it, it's probably not the same way that he learns and the way that you learn isn't necessarily the way that, that everybody else learns. And so yeah. when you're coaching, it's, there's a certain way to coach a large group of people. And then, of course, when you're working like one on one with somebody, you can you can change that formula a pretty good bit. And I would say that probably one of my strengths as a coach is being able to relate to people, you know, like not just wrestlers, but like, for instance, like, you know, and, and not to not to sound like a dumb jock, but, you know, whenever I would start to teach people how to how to strike and do stuff like that. If they were a big brute or if I found out they played baseball, I'd make baseball analogies. If I found out they were a computer nerd and they'd never done anything athletic ever, like I would try and use video games and stuff like that. Is that why I got left behind? Is that why I'm so bad? It's because you have no good soccer analogies? Yeah, because I've got zero soccer skills whatsoever. You guys are worthless. I knew it was y'all's fault that I still suck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely I know that I failed you, Collins. I'm sorry, bro. Uh, hey, I, I I'm pretty sure several. I wouldn't get subbed eight times in a round against you right now. I'm just saying, Got dude. A I, better. I if listen, if I did anything right, then hopefully, then hopefully that that would be the case. Hopefully, it would only be seven instead of eight. You know, it wouldn't <laughs> be seven either. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> listen. I believe that, especially being off my game. You saw how I performed in the PGF last week. <laughs> I don't think I'm getting anybody out of there right now. Yeah, you just um, gotta be more aggressive. Yeah, I believe that 100%. But maybe spend some, maybe spend less time pushing your hair back behind your ears and more. Oh, time. dude, I got a headband ready to go. Don't worry <laughs> about that. So nobody, gotta, anybody else, give you that that uh, brilliant oh, advice? <laughs> oh my God, it was bad, bro. Because I mean, especially I, my family, they aren't martial artists. They didn't know 
whether I was going to be doing karate or jujitsu or MMA. Like I told them all, I was like, it's a jujitsu competition. It's grappling. It's like wrestling, but with submissions. And like, they still fucking just, <laughs> I had no idea what was about to happen. So they all tuned in. Like it was going to be an MMA, uh, like it was going to be an MMA fight. And they were like, they were into it. But then I got home and I saw them like that weekend uh, over the weekend, and they were just like, my aunt, bro, my aunt was giving me shit about pushing my hair back and stuff. I was like, oh, uh, damn. So, uh, yeah, yeah, don't y'all worry. Good. I got a good. I'm glad you got a good family. Down. Yeah, no, they're good folk. They're good folk. That's, uh, they're world-class. World-class individuals. But, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, uh, me and my brother have always wanted to have our own gym. And be able to give, especially in wrestling, because that's what it was when we first got the idea. We wanted to give a better opportunity to wrestlers that grew up here in Alabama. And then now, do y'all I, have a bunch of members already, or how's that? Uh, so, I mean, he's got like a hundred and some, somewhere between like a hundred and thirty and a hundred and fifty wrestlers Dang, um, on awesome. membership. So we're really just cold, like. You know, we're not doing, we're not advertising on Facebook or anything like that. Like, we've had some friends that have always been asking us about training, and they've literally, for whatever reason, just like maybe weren't as comfortable going to a different gym, but they're like, man, when you guys get your own thing, like, come on with it. And so we've had some people that, like, we grew up wrestling with that have come in and started training with us. Had like 15 people in our biggest jujitsu class so far. Usually we're talking about eight, maybe 10 people. Um, but we're not really trying to grow in, I mean, of course, like financially, it makes the most sense to try and get as many members in the door as quickly as you possibly can. Um, but we're just really focusing on like trying to help people get into it and stay into it. Like instead of having a hundred people try it and maybe 50 of them signing up and being into it, like we're trying to make sure that if 20 people try it, 20 people fall in love with it and 20 people train yeah until they reach whatever goal it is that they have for themselves so we're we're literally just doing it by word of mouth um and talking to the parents of of people that are training here and getting them into it and and we'll play it like that for a minute man just just really until we get the this is the thing I, i i know what processes were used at all the other gyms that i ever visited you know, yeah. not only when I worked at Spartan Fitness and SPG, but when we would go to train at other gyms, I would, how did they check people into class? What did their waiver look like? You know, what did their, how did they put their class together and stuff like that? How was it done at my, with all of my coaches in wrestling before and all the wrestling coaches that I know now? And, and so cultivating all of that, um, we have this own idea of how we want to do things. Is it how, the biggest gyms have done it not necessarily but i mean what we're most proud of is that like we're doing it how we want to do it and is like i said is that the way to turn our wrestling club and our our jiu-jitsu academy our mma school into a fortune 500 company probably not but like if that's not what it's about yeah that's what that's what i'm saying is like i'm i'm not I could have stopped doing jujitsu and fist fighting people for essentially for free a decade ago and, you know, got into medical sales or something like that. If it was just about like, you know, the dollar sign that's in my bank account, but like we want to enjoy the work that we do. We want to have the right 
balance of time with our family and time on the mat and and at work and all of those things. And so right now, man, we're just really enjoying doing what we're doing and uh, and just trying to lead from the front as far as like training goes and stuff like that. You know, me competing yeah. in this, hoping to go out there and show everybody that like, hey, you know, definitely so, know what I'm talking about, but like there's nothing wrong with competing. There's nothing wrong with going out there and getting triangled in 30 seconds by Elijah Carlton. Cause sometimes well, it'd be like that. <laughs> Unless I'm watching and you're wasting my time. Yeah. Right. So, well, I'll sort my... that, sort that out. Not, yeah. I mean, I can't be like, Hey family, this is my buddy, Matt. He's about to do this thing right here. He's going to be great. But they come over for... back the whole time. I just need at least like 45 seconds instead of like, 20 or yeah. whatever it was no nah. my brother was, he was he he was like really big on like the psychology of how you warm up for wrestling matches and and of course grappling or really just any any kind of like tournament style thing and neither i nor elijah really warmed up before the match and he was like dude you just weren't warmed up that's all and i was like i mean dude maybe it was but like maybe well, if I've i got a sick warm up i went to a tournament there uh brandon's uh gym and like watching y'all the other night, it was slightly less busy, but yeah. uh, like I noticed it was a similar sort of feel. Was it real hot in there? Oh yeah, so it's definitely hot as, as blazes in there. But yeah, like yeah. so I felt like that was similar to when I went up there for a tournament, and there was it. It's like so open, and you know, it's it's kind of a weird vibe as far as warming up. There's no real great place and so i just kind of stood there moving my hips around right before my match yeah i think i got guillotined in like 30 seconds or something (laughs) just going in for one of those lame ass shots that you taught me (laughs) oh perfect nailed it way to make me me proud we we both had the same result in the same Mm. stadium that's that's what i was there dude i was I, i showed up i drove from georgia and I went straight to uh, – no, I didn't. I went to uh, Birmingham, and then I drove up the next morning to Decatur, and I was in his gym for 24 minutes. And then I had two <laughs> matches, and I left. <laughs> I was, like, all worried about getting there on time. I get in there. I still have my shoes on. My name gets called. And so I run out there, guillotine, run out there. I think I got Darce next. I was home, gone. 24 minutes yeah. I was in the gym. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, damn, bro. But, yeah, it's hard It's hard to get a good warm-up up in there. Yeah. My or, brother, he was know. giving me shit about the warm-up situation. I was like, yeah, so maybe I got triangled in 45 seconds instead of 30 seconds, you know, like, because yeah. my dude was, I mean, like I said, I, I hope that nothing that I've said sounds like I'm taking anything away from uh, from Elijah because, I mean, I've I've grappled a ton of people and started – at a similar pace with all of them. And if, and I feel like if you, even if you, if let's say that he did just catch me slipping or something like that, you did it that in 30 seconds, you did something right, you know? And, and he yeah, was no, very he's, solid. He's very good. Very, very good, man. I was, I was completely, uh, completely impressed with, with how quickly he got your boy out of there. Um, hopefully it doesn't go like that yeah. nine times out of 10, but, um, my brother afterwards was like, dude, you should have done this. No, I, I think like, it would maybe be safe. Should've... That dude is yeah. fly. Yeah, I told my brother, I was like, maybe you should go and grapple him and then tell me what to do after you get choked out in 28 seconds. <laughs> you know, like, because I think my dude just might be about that life. 
but I don't know, I'm man. Just, I feel I feel like you 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 go a little bit more aggressive. At least the I don't know it, it the the pace that you went into that it really looked like it was slow enough to where I thought you just placed your head and arm in there and he just took it. Just yeah, here you go. Yeah, know. no, it was very not impressive on my from my standpoint. What what is your mind? I guess I think I tried to ask this earlier and I wasn't specific, but like, what is your mindset going into that? Because like, I, I don't know. Like, I'll go if I go to a tournament. Sometimes I go against guys who I'm like, damn, they're legitimately trying to kill me as if this is an MMA event, and I'm I'm just yeah. out there breathing and relaxed. Like I'm too yeah. I'm too passive. Like. What what are what are your you know well, how are I, you thinking that through that I felt the same way um, after the after the matches were over coming from MMA it was just it's hard for me to get pumped up about it and get I mean and you have to you have to understand that like from how competitive I am I feel like uh, you know and I, and I know that everybody that watched my first match was like dude that guy was a black belt y'all had a tough match but like. It just wasn't good enough. My performance between both matches just wasn't good enough. In some, on some level, I felt like I had embarrassed myself, um, and it was because I just didn't go out there and take it as seriously as I should have. Otherwise, you know, I felt like I could have made the match with Elijah either last a little bit longer or be competitive. Yeah. Um, I felt like if I would have gotten out there and tried to impose my will a little earlier in the match with Cody that uh, I could have maybe gotten him out of there closer to the end of the match. Whereas at the end, I felt like I was starting to gain positions, starting to get the better of some of the scrambles and stuff like that. That uh, It's that almost like I, you warmed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But So what, maybe minutes, you just fix it with a warm-up? Well, maybe, maybe the warm-up, but just getting straight to it, man, like pushing the pace. Because yeah. one thing, you know, I, I, I thought I was supposed to have one match on the schedule that we originally got, I was supposed to have one match, and then I was going to be done for the day. Um, I didn't realize that I was going to have two matches until after my uh, my first match was over. Oh, I had really? heard, okay. I had heard maybe, because uh, I had looked at the schedule, and they had me and Elijah were supposed to originally grapple in week two. I was supposed to have one match against Cody week one, one match against Elijah in week two, and then week three I'm supposed to gradu- uh, grapple Hodger. So I got like all the all the yeah. bangers right out the gate. How does that usually go for you? With uh, rolling with Hodger? I mean, the only time I've ever experienced him is just like him showing something, and his pressure was stupid. So. Oh no, it's ridiculous. In the gi, it's not even close. In the gi, it's like a child fighting his uncle. Yeah. You know, um, no gi, it's definitely a lot closer. Um, yeah. His gi grips are just so, so solid. It's it's not even. Um, I I don't know that there's been a time that we've rolled where I felt like I had like really won the entire roll. <laughs> like uh, in in the gi specifically, in no gi, I've definitely felt like I've gotten the better of a round or so. But he's he's he knows how to play jujitsu, man. He he knows what he's doing. Yeah. With or without it. With the gi, though, he is definitely one of the best people that I've ever rolled with. Super, yeah. super gangster in the gi. Um, but, yeah, I I felt like if I had just gone out in the those early matches and just got to it a little quicker and just tried to push the pace because um, I, I know that it's just a six-minute match, but 
uh, I was not so worried about gassing out, but like going at a pace, like not being in control and going at like a wild pace and getting caught. But, yeah. you know, this thing about getting caught is I scored the same amount of points in my match against Elijah getting choked the fuck out and embarrassed as I did in Cody and with Cody having a really, you know, competitive match. So yeah. it's like you might as well just go out on your shield. And you yeah, you well should go. go you after. should go fast and aggressive, man. That's more entertaining to watch too, and that'll get more people to watch. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way to go. That's definitely what I I feel like is the move. My biggest takeaway from from week one is just like, dude, like, and BMAC was even yelling at us a little bit during, especially during my first match because he didn't have enough time to yell at me during the second one. But yeah, um, he was like, push the pace, guys. You know, there's no, yeah. there's no, there's nothing to lose. For losing, so to speak, um, so, yeah. which I think is super cool about it. I think it's. I think the next few weeks you're gonna see people's strategy change, and I think it's gonna be super, super uh, entertaining as as everyone gets more competitive and everybody dials in the right strategy for the for the series. I'm excited about it, man. It's been it's it's something that I wasn't sure that I'd ever be able to compete again because my head was in a really bad space um, there for a minute. But then getting to where I could actually compete was a big hurdle. Um, no setbacks and, with that. No, no. It's I mean did, I definitely did have you have some to do something are, special, some sort of special treatment to, to uh, get back. Yeah, I had to go see a, a balance specialist. Um, uh-huh. I had a vestibular concussion, an inner ear concussion, and they've been having me do. Uh, just some some eye training. There, I have a a lag in my eyes. So like, if you were looking straight ahead, and then you just snapped your head to ninety degrees to the right and focused on something, like your brain by design or is right on cue with the turn of your head. Like when you turn your head, your eyes, even though they have the freedom to move in whatever direction inside of your skull they're synced up with your your central nervous system that when i turn 90 degrees my eyes go with me and they start to focus um yeah. i definitely had a little bit of a lag of what my eyes were they just weren't quite keeping up with my head movement wow and and so i had to uh through a series of super gangster uh tests my little rehab uh they they just they slowly help me train my eyes back to where they were functioning better and then getting the confidence in the movements of my head with my eyes and that lowered my anxiety that I was experiencing and stuff like that. Um, just okay, so, many, so, so that, many things. that was creating more pro, like a bunch of other shit, emotional yeah, problems. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. No, there was so, man, um, not, not to, I don't even really like to, to give it the energy that I once was, but there was a point where I was, uh, I mean, I was a little bit suicidal because Mm. I just wasn't, I wasn't enjoying a quality of life and I was getting these panic attacks and I, you know, a few different things. First of all, right when the coronavirus happened, this shit all happened. So like, I'm in like the most fragile, like fragile state that I've ever been mentally by far and then we get put into a a quarantine lockdown 
where you know everybody got a, I think a little bit bummed about that shit, especially off the rip. Um, yeah. And so I between that and the failure uh, and just the emotional dive of not being able to compete in MMA and realizing like everybody was like, hey dude, you're gonna go fight in the UFC to like, hey, you're never going to compete in any sport ever again. Um, yeah, I, couldn't, right. I couldn't train. I couldn't jump rope. I couldn't hit the bag. Like, I, anything, I couldn't ride. No, my son took me on a 10-minute go-kart ride one time. When I got back, my head would just was completely shaken up. Wow. Um, and now, was that, was, was that just from uh, the, like, I mean, obviously people would say it's from the culmination, but was that just from that one last fight? Um, so it wasn't from the one fight. Um, I would say that after my fight, I was actually okay. Um, I got right back to training and not having any issues, but just get, I got back to sparring a little bit too quickly. And after losing, you just, you get a little gravel in your gut, so to speak, and just got super, super butthurt about losing. And especially in front of my home crowd started trying to push myself super hard and um sparring too often and, and stuff like that and just yeah my my i actually uh was playing video games one night and my eyes were just like just blurry like i could not focus on the letters on the screen and they were super blurry and i was like oh lord something's wrong with my eyes and uh it slowly just unraveled probably for the next three months my symptoms were getting exponentially worse going downhill then about that about three months afterwards so we're talking about you know february march um things were very april things were very very tough um mentally um just wasn't in a good headspace at all um then luckily here may june especially this last month i've been in a pretty good spot been able to to train consistently um i just had to i just had to to nurse myself back to health man i had to and that was one of the hardest things was like in wrestling you're like man i'm tough enough to survive anything i can I, you know i'm tough enough to go another round i'm tough enough to stand back up you know i can push through this i can do all that but with your brain it just doesn't necessarily work that way so uh right. i really had to i started training um, just barely rolling, like just so slow rolling, just, just, just so that I could be doing something to like get my mind off of it. And then I got to where I would train a little bit too hard and I would get choked. And then that would like mess me up for a few days or a week. And then I just had to like figure it out. I had to, you know, lick my finger and put it in the air and kind of gauge the room and figure out who I could and couldn't train with. And like, you know, I had to, you know, smack myself a couple times because I was like, why are you fighting? You know, I'm fighting this choke too hard. I'm, you know, just tap out, like lose your ego. And Brandon really helped me with a lot of that. And then uh, where were you uh, in that progression when I saw you in Jacksonville? Um, I had. So at that point, um, I was in a really bad mental place, a um, lot of anxiety. Um, I would say, uh, and that was right, that was right when, uh, 
we were talking, the government shut down. That was, yeah. we were joking while we were down there. We were like, we just, Brandon just took us to the last jujitsu seminar ever. Yeah. And, uh, and while we made jokes about stuff like that, like it, it was such a heavy situation, but especially cause you know, nobody knew the mortality rates or knew that this wasn't going to turn into the black plague or any of that at that, you know, we all thought it was going to be something that, you know, super, super crazy. I mean, it, it is what it's super crazy in a different way for different reasons. But, um, we, what we all thought it was about to be gave me even more anxiety. And then it was like, man, I've been thinking about, you know, maybe I'm not going to survive uh, just mentally. And it was like, oh, well, dude, you know, we're all going to die anyways. And, and it just really put a dark cloud Jeez. over, over the entire thing. And I, and I really struggled, you know, and, and I, man, I'm a, I'm, I'm completely a blessed human being. Like I have a son that I love. I live in a great place in a great city, fucking American, like so many opportunities that other people in other places just don't necessarily have. Like yeah. I know that the, the world's a crazy place, but like being a, an, an Alabamian, you know, it's just, it's not that bad of a, of a no. deal. It, even at the end of the day, having a son that I love, a family who loves me, takes care of me and stuff like that. Plenty of friends and, and a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. Like there's just so many things to, uh, to be thankful for. And I could like tell myself to be thankful for all those things, but I just couldn't turn. It was like, I couldn't just unwind myself from what was going on and just inside of my head. And then of course you obviously can't run away from all the crazy ass problems that are going on out there in the world right now. So it was just, uh, it was a lot, man. It was super heavy, but I, I had a real, you know, I've been doing most of my training here at Ironclad at my gym, but we go up to Brandon's once a week and, uh, and I had a, a, a semi emotional moment between he and I the other day. I just thanked him. I was like, Hey man, listen, like you gave me jujitsu like back, like you gave me the ability to enjoy training again. And I was yeah. like, you, you know, you're giving me an opportunity to compete. You've helped nurse me back to like a, a, a good space mentally by being there for me and stuff like that. But like, you've made jujitsu fun for me again. And, uh, in having that, that positive outlet, I think was a huge turning point on top of the rehab that I was doing because it was like, all right, my head is getting better. I'm seeing progress in my symptoms, but I'm also enjoying life. I'm also enjoying training. I'm having fun, um, just doing things again. And as opposed to where like MMA there for a while, just wasn't, it just wasn't fun. You know, like you can, being around all my best friends and in the environment where we're making fun of each other and shit like that, that was, you know, that's a, that's a big part of it. That was fun. But like, Hey, I enjoy learning about jujitsu. Now I enjoy the atmosphere that I, that I learn in and enjoy the process of creating one of those, you know, atmospheres in my own place now. And so I've been in a, in a much better place. So nursing back to the nursing myself back mentally and physically to where I could compete has been my first goal. Um, now that I feel confident that I'm, that I'm okay. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to take this PGF season as an opportunity to put myself in the, in the right mindset to compete again. Not just like that I'm out there on the mat, but like competing to win, being competitive with the guys that are the best out there 
And so uh, even though not scoring any points in week one sucked a lot, I'm having a, a, you know, a good time kind of redefining my myself as a, you know, obviously as a human being, um, being a business owner and having our own gym and stuff like that, but being able to compete again. And like I said, lead from the front for these young kids, like them going and seeing me put it on the line and, and risking winning and losing in front of people like that's inspiring to, man yeah. it's inspiring so they have to respect it really one is. way or the other and that's and, why uh, i've always said that to you guys that always went and competed like you know that it's so much easier to try and learn from you guys and to want to grind alongside you when, when we're seeing you guys do it so it's yeah, inspiring man. as hell um I, I won't i won't take up too much more of your time but i do i do have to be the guy to ask um if I come and train with you guys, am I creating drama? See, that's that is on the, the tip of my tongue the whole time, the tip of my brain. Like, is there, you know, without really getting into it, like, um, it, it, was there, is everything good on the uh, Spartan side of things? Like, how did you? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, it's it's one of those things that because Chris and I don't have the level of communication that we previously did. Um, and anybody's opinion can change within an hour or a day or a week. Um, I, I guess it's an ever evolving situation. The best that I, the best gauge that I have on it is that he and I both agree one thing that like, I do not want anybody to be, and, and I told the guys that I was training with, you know, my, my teammates and my, the coaches over there, I was like, listen, this isn't an opportunity for you guys to jump ship. Yeah. This isn't an opportunity. Like if you guys tried to get me to start like coaching you in MMA, like that's not even a possibility right now. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give anybody the opportunity to do all that. And it's the same really for people that are our members. Um, I haven't reached out to a single person and been like, Hey man, by the way, I left SBG. You should leave SBG because it's not that kind of party at all. Um, like I said, Chris knew that that I was gonna leave and and open a gym. He's, he's got to know though that you know you're gonna like, I mean you're gonna have your people that are gonna yeah, see you doing your thing over here in the corner and they're gonna be like that. That's that looks yeah. good, you know. And, or, and like I how's that gonna his, go? One of his biggest concerns was like how close our gym wound up being. Um, yeah. We got super lucky with uh with this training situation that we're in in the facility that we have um it was just an opportunity that we couldn't say no to and we didn't really get the choice about where it was this guy had a building he's letting us use for the time being and um it's in downtown birmingham it's about five miles from spartan fitness and i think that probably is the biggest hurdle in all of it um i think the two close it's it's pretty close man um yeah and that's why i think that he at the end of the day, whether I opened a Spartan Fitness or an SBG, I think he would have maybe liked to have been a little more hands-on and seeing it be successful. But as yeah. close as we are, um, it's we've, you know, it's hard for him to teach, you know, be like, hey man, this is how you need to gain prospects and 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 create new members and stuff like that. Because these, I mean, we're in downtown Birmingham. I know there are people that work in downtown Birmingham that train at Spartan Fitness. Right. So that's why we have really taken a different approach to it we're not advertising all over the internet and stuff like that if people are hitting me up and they're like hey man i want to come and train with you then i'm like hey man that's awesome 
Like, yeah. And then that's the end of the conversation. And if they show up, then like that's cool. And I treat them just the same way that I would any other day. But I sleep really well at night knowing that I haven't gone out of my way. I haven't poached any of the members out of my old gym. Um, I haven't gone and tried to like be like, hey, dude, stick it out there for six more months um, coaching. And then you can come and teach kickboxing at my place and stuff like that. It's just not that type of party for me because we like I said, me and my brother have such a different idea about what we want to do. Um Anybody that wants to come and train, they're more than welcome to come train, man. And I'm, you know, it, and they got to deal with the repercussions themselves. Yeah, they. <laughs> if if Chris wants to make it a thing to them about it, that's totally cool. I mean, yeah. as of right now, Chris's son, um, he hasn't been here in like a week or so, so I I don't know if something's changed. But Chris's son has been training here for free. Okay. And so he would been coming in and all that, and I don't know. Maybe I mean, like I said, we haven't seen him in a couple weeks. Does that mean that he won't show up today or hell if he's not, he, maybe he's in the room right now. Cause I'm in the office. I, I don't know. But, um, so there's a potential that maybe he doesn't feel the same way that he did about it then maybe. Um, but like I said, I, I can't do anything different than I've always done. I treat people with respect. I try and help them do the best they can on and off the mats. And like, that's what I'm continuing to do under my own banner. Um, and I'm hoping that one day soon, um, that maybe we can kind of like, you know, Chris, Chris was an, was an SBG affiliate, then SBG dis, uh, disbanded for a few years. He started Spartan fitness. And then when they, they had a, a meeting of the Knights of the round table, so to speak, and then they <laughs> rejoined, uh, SBG and reformed it. And then he jumped back on there. Um, yeah. I, I would hope, and I, that is my, my, long-term goal is that we can do things together i understand that we can't do things together right now um and that's perfectly fine and if we can never do them again there will always be that that mutual respect and that love for chris i mean that's that's yeah. one thing about it is working working for the guy um he, he definitely demanded a lot of us as employees but i mean aside from that i traveled the world with him man took yeah. me to, took me and exposed me to all kinds of new experiences i, I love the i love the guy to death I'll never be able to see him in a room and not run up to him and be like, Hey, what's up chief? How are you, man? How is CP? Yeah. How is your, how is, you know, your daughter doing? How is the fam? Is your dad doing good? Like there will never be that. There will never that's be good. that. That's good. That's good to hear, man. I don't, it'll, I don't, it'll I don't like the prospect of drama that, that, uh, yeah, that, like I've, I've obviously I've been around a little while, so I've seen some of the, the fractures and splits. I would hate that that was the case with y'all. Yeah. So that's, I've tried really hard to make sure that, you know, that I wasn't put in the same situation that I've watched a lot of my, my friends and teammates be put in and become exiled from our gym and our lives overnight. And, yeah. um, and, and I thought about how to play it the right way for, a week or so once I realized it was a possibility for me to be leaving um I, I raked myself over the coals about how am I going to go about it and I finally just went and talked to him and I was honest and completely transparent with him and and have been all the way up up to this point you know um yeah and like I said That's I haven't good. talked to him in probably two maybe three weeks um I say that I think I talked to him on the phone about the the coronavirus um 
a couple weeks ago and just like how to deal with that as a gym and he he shared some stuff with me so i would say that things are good man um obviously every time that he sees somebody from there pop up over here or something like that um i'm sure that that wouldn't make him happy but you know i i sleep very well at night because i'm not calling and inviting a bunch of people all of the people that i've trained with in private like private lesson training the very first thing that i did is like said hey i left sbg um i can set you up to train with someone else who would you like for me to train with and then if they were like i don't want to train with anybody else i want to train with you then then i'll explain to them how we could do that but i've my first option i took a back seat to try and make sure that everyone knew that i wasn't trying to ruin chris's gym or take a bunch of his members because i don't i don't i don't agree with that you know i don't i don't yeah. think that that's a, that's an honest way to to go about creating a new chapter of my life and i don't agree with using that as a way to get you know to get money out of people and stuff like that it's a lazy yeah, way it's to good do not it. to burn the bridges anyway so I, i'm doing everything that i can to try not to burn that bridge man it's a super sensitive thing um, who knows if all the effort will be worth it. I'm hoping that it is. I'm hoping that everything's totally cool. Um, in the long run, are things weird right now? Absolutely. You know, if, if I've had a friend like, for instance, Jonathan Roberts is one of, uh, one of our brown belts that's, uh, that trained at SBG, he trains at Headhunters down in, uh, Tuscaloosa. He's coming over here and training and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things, like I'm not throwing it up in Chris's face or like on social media, if we have people come and train with us, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, yeah. it's, it's mainly about like maintaining good relationships with people. And, you know, I'm not going to be weird or awkward to people if they try and hit me up to train. If you yeah. want to, when you come into town, if you want to come and work on some wrestling and see if I tap you out eight times and, uh, not seven minute go ever again, then like, not I'm not going to be like, yeah, I feel that. Listen, I, I agree. It's not happening. But my point is, like, I'm not going to be like, uh, I don't, I'm not going to treat you how I used to treat you because of the situation at hand. I'm going to treat everyone the same. I'm, I just work for myself now and I'm yeah. going to treat Chris the same. And if, you know, if I thought that there were any ways that I could, you know, cause I offered him, I offered him, you know, the chance to, to have me coach over there still i thought that i could work at both places and he just he thought it was a conflict of interest which is totally understandable and and we agreed that that it was just something that i needed to go and do on my own does that mean that maybe we won't be able to work something out in the future um i don't know but i, I would like for that relationship to continue to grow but i also understand the world of business and it was a business decision tied to a bunch of other you know personal relationships and stuff like that and but i try to do my best to to stay out of out of the middle of it and you know i try not to you know like i said i i don't reach out to anybody to try and get them to come and train i still say hey guys miss you how are the kids all that kind of stuff and you know i've had a few people come over and train with us and stuff like that pop in on an open mat or something like that people are all obviously every human being is welcome to come and train with us. Um, but as far as like, if one of the coaches or one of like the fighters or somebody like that was like, I want you to train me. I'm like, ah, nah, I can't. That, that's really where I draw the line. 
Yeah, if, yeah. You know, That's smart. It, 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 at that point, I'm I'm not willing to do that. If one of the members is like, hey, man, I want to come over there and learn some takedowns from you or something like that. I want to come over here and train Nogi with you or something like that. Like, we'll if they go out of their way to make that happen, then I'm like, that's cool. But I'm, I'm absolutely doing everything that I can to be as respectful of everybody's wishes that I can. Um, and also, you know, get our business off the ground. But like I said, we're not trying to cultivate 50 new members in the first day. We're trying to make sure that we've got the same 20 members for, you know, forever and, and so on and so forth. So definitely oh, going about it a different way, but, I think that it's uh I think that it's been working out so far and I can only hope that anybody that knows anything about the situation um look at it and know that I've tried to handle it with the most care and the most respect that I possibly can. You know, I know that it's not uh you know, not the easiest situation to navigate, but I'm I'm pretty proud of the way that that I've handled it so far. I I have no there's nothing that has happened where I'm like, oh man, I think that might have been wrong. I don't, I don't think I should have done that. Um, yeah, it's good I, to have a clear conscience, man. That's good. Yeah, that, that's number one. That yeah. is um, is pretty number one for your boy. Yeah. Well, hey. Uh, so before I wrap up, I like to ask people um, if they've got a funny, embarrassing story that has happened to them that sticks out over the multitude of embarrassing things that normally happen to us throughout our lives. Do you have you got anything anything funny that has happened to you that you can think of off the top of your head? Oh man, uh, I can definitely think of uh, of getting Other than choked getting out. knocked out. Sorry, yeah, okay. getting choked out or <laughs> or getting embarrassed in an in MMA, inviting all your closest friends and family to uh, come watch you beat somebody up, and then they beat you up. That's pretty embarrassing and kind of funny on the back end. Nah, that, that more you entered the arena and a bunch of people didn't, so that's that's not as embarrassing as it sounds. But yeah, if, I, I, <laughs> I, I can't think of just any one thing in particular that stands out. I, I would like to think that my life has been a bunch of little embarrassing moments that have just added up to, to you know, me becoming who I am. Uh <laughs> You know, being nicknamed Titty Baby was uh, was pretty far up on that list, I feel like. How, how did um, that come about? Uh, so I wrestled for our varsity when I was in eighth grade. And just like any other, like, eighth grade kid that, like, can't keep up with their shit, like, you know, <laughs> I, like, left a wrestling shoe at a tournament and would show up to practice with one wrestling shoe or show up <laughs> and my coach would have – my entire wrestling bag or something like that and one day just in front of our entire team we were like moving mats or something like that and kind of a a slow moment um he was like dang he's like you know he's an older guy just a just a country just real funny guy jack bird and he was like dang you ain't nothing but a little tb and everybody including my older brother were sitting there like you know coach what's a tb and it was like titty baby and so then of course everybody like just thought that was the funniest shit ever and so they were calling me tb the rest of the day and i was like all right tb they got me good today like they're not gonna get me with that shit tomorrow then tomorrow everybody's still calling me tb next week everybody's still calling me tb now everybody on our wrestling team calls me tb fast forward like six months my dad stopped using my name that he gave me at birth and now my father literally calls me tb to this day um, that's hilarious my, my meemaw, God rest her soul, she used to write TB 
on my birthday cards and, and shit like that before <laughs> she died. And, uh, wow. and that, that name and just like the stigma is just kind of forever and always stuck with me. So like, no matter how successful I ever get in life, you can literally just be like, glorious. yeah, well, you'll always be a titty baby. And everyone that knows me is just like, yeah, that's and, awesome. Yeah, sticks it to the man really easy. So that's it doesn't awesome, matter how man. cool I ever become or uncool I ever become. Yeah, there will always be TB in my back pocket right there yeah. waiting on me. Well, hey, uh, tell people where they can watch your uh, your next match. I think it's on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely on YouTube. Um, the YouTube channel that you would want to search for to find the page is Brandon McNinja. Uh, McNinja I, is one I word. I think the professional. I, I'll, I'll fill people in. It's the Professional Grappling Federation actually has its own page. Well, yeah. Well, he took. He actually tra- changed his page from Brandon McNinja. Oh, he did. The, okay. the PGF page. So it's got a pretty decent following. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah okay. he's. I was wondering how how it got so big. I was like, man, that's interesting. And but okay, that makes a lot of sense then if it's his old yeah. page. Yeah, and I'm sure they page, still have all his techniques and stuff on there too. Dude, yeah. Sick jujitsu yeah. uh, resource, but that's where you can check the matches. They've been dumping all the individual matches online um, as well as the live thing. So if you want to watch it live on Friday night starting at 6. Uh, log 6 in on Central, YouTube. not real yeah, people six, time. Yep, of course. 6 redneck time. Um, yeah. And then it lasts you know, about till about 10 p.m. Um, and yeah, then it's if you, good. It's real good. Yeah, If you want to just check out the individual matches, they've been updating most of the individual matches um, throughout the week. Um, Matt's is a 25-second long one. Yes. Yeah, it's the real short video. <laughs> real yeah. short. It looks like an ad, but it's not an ad. The ad, I think, is It's longer. an ad for how to not get triangled. <laughs> or just an don't ad do... on how to triangle, pull their hair in their face, and yeah. two-on-one, risk control, embarrass their livelihood. That's the way to do it. Yeah, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Uh, when uh, you get your your championship victory there, maybe you can come back on and tell it all, tell us all how it was. Yeah, dude. Obviously, it man. wasn't you getting triangled. Hopefully that's not. The case. Hopefully, so. freaking not. Super hard to win when you're unable to breathe in jiu-jitsu yeah, man. specifically. Well, yeah, hey, dude, thanks, I appreciate thanks you having me on, this. Brother. Thank you for all that you've done for me in the past. And, uh, yeah, good luck hey, to man. you with stuff, man. Appreciate Sounds your like friendship, exciting brother. Times. No doubt, appreciate, man. Well, and, uh, yeah, when you get back into town, let me know. We'll uh, see what your single leg looks like, I guess. Uh, it's pretty awesome. You know that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> all right, man. Have a good one. All right, bro. You take care, right. man. Tell us, kid. Let's what's up. Well, dude, thanks, man. See ya. Peace.